a pharmacist's father who worked on the South Side as well. My father had a pharmacy on 71st and Jeffrey for years. My mother wrote, we lived and she worked in the Roseland community as a kindergarten and first grade teacher. So uh, my grandfather was a podiatrist on the South Side. My grandmother was a, um, a social worker. So I have this deep legacy of, of community work, which I, growing up, I just kind of took for granted. Like, yeah, that's what we do, but it's a part of who I am. And none of us can say we grew up without jazz music, right? So, so this, you know, being a black woman, you know, heading up this, this vital organization and, and maintaining, like I said, in that tagline, this art form to me is a larger philosophy and a larger mission for black people. Mm. So what are some of your challenges that, that you're facing right now? You know, we, we face the challenge of any nonprofit, any mid-sized to really small nonprofit, which is ensuring that we have the resources. And I'm by that, I mean money, you know, to, to keep <laughs> going. I have an amazing staff. I, I like to keep keep them right they're they're passionate they're skilled and we all deserve to make a good living at what we do whether we're musicians or nonprofit managers and to have stellar amazing programming and, and pay the musicians well so so that's one of our our biggest challenges we're, we're we're making it happen but if there's anything that keeps me up at night it's certainly not the joy of jazz it's how, how are we going to make sure that we can keep this train going so so those are some major challenges and our donors have been fabulous the, the foundation world has been great individuals have been wonderful those that understand why the music is important and and why the jazz institute does what it does mm. you had a program a tribute to lewis armstrong who i see there behind you yes one of the one of the yeah. <laughs> how was that how was that Right, so last year uh, marked the centennial of Louis Armstrong coming to Chicago, coming from New Orleans, you know, at the beck and call of his mentor, King Oliver. But it really was a time in America, as we all know, when a lot of people were leaving the South to come up North for better opportunity, you know, to escape Jim Crow and the terror that our people were going through. We're still going through a lot but there was so much going on and you know he he came up here to to have a career in music and really changed the world of music and you know the, the way that he played being a soloist the, the style that he played in really changed jazz music um from that point on he also met a, a beautiful woman when he was here a fisk university graduate who was a composer and a band leader in her own right, Lil Harden. And she's the one that said, wait a minute, there's something where you've got a lot of talent. You look a little country, but let's cityfy you. She bought him new clothes. She talked about how he wore um, hand-me-down clothes and he had bangs. And so she really saw something in him and turned him into the performer and the, the, the world impactful musician that we see today. So Lil Harden was very instrumental in, in his career and in all the work that he did here in Chicago. So last year we had a series of programs to celebrate Lewis and celebrate Chicago. Okay, now I know you had something with Ella Fitzgerald and Lewis. 
We did. So, you know, a lot of uh, Lewis's career was his, his in, in the later year, the mid to later years was the partnerships and the music that he sang with Ella Fitzgerald. And some of those songs are just a part of the Great American Songbook, right? I can remember in college, uh, I went to University of Illinois and I was having a bad day. So I went to the record store on Green Street, all my U of I friends will remember this. And I was like, I need something to get me out of this. And I bought one of the Ella Lewis duet CDs at the time. Um, and it just brought me so much joy. So yes, we had a tribute concert as a part of our Jazz City program with Chicago Park District at the South Shore Cultural Center last mm -hmm. week with Bruce Henry and Alicia Monique. And they just sang those classic tunes that we remember not just from Ella and Lewis, of course, but also from them as well. So that was kind of our end of year holiday tribute and a way to wrap up our, our season that we called What a Wonderful World. What a Wonderful World. I love it. <laughs> right? So now, yeah. Let's, let's look to the future next year. Any special programs planned at this point that you can share with us? Well, you know, we are we are so thrilled that last year, well, really this year, we were able to bring the Chicago Jazz Festival back in full after really a two year hiatus. We had a year of being online. Last year, we just did one day, you know, we went from nine stages, nine hours, four stages, nine hours a day, four days to one show, you know, three performances just on one stage. So last year we were able to bring about 95% of that back. Um, and so looking forward to doing the Jazz Festival again, uh, the Jazz Institute brought back our club tour, which had been on hiatus since 2017, which is an opportunity to buy one ticket and get on buses, luxury coach buses and visit different jazz clubs downtown and on the South side. So that is always a lot of fun. We're definitely doing that again. And just our, our, some of our education programs, um, we do a straight ahead jazz exchange, which is kind of like a conference or a camp for music teachers, for educators, for jazz enthusiasts. So working out the schedule, but typically it's three to five days at Columbia College where you have workshops and opportunities to play. If you play an instrument, we've got combos. So we'll br be bringing that back in July. Okay, all right. So anybody on your wish list for the Jazz Festival for next year? Anybody you just would love to, to get? You know, I have to say that the Jazz Festival is programmed by a committee, okay. a Jazz Festival committee with our partners at the Department of Cultural Affairs and Special Events. And um, <clears throat> we're just starting to meet. I always say we program in the snow. So <clears throat> the snow is coming, the snow is here today. So we've already met once, you know, we're starting to pull together our ideas and talk about who would work and fit it in the budget, right? Um, but, you know, we'd love to, to say that, that the jazz festival is at least, you know, 80% local acts. We get our headliners, you know, last year, well, Jasmine Horn being from Chicago, but, you know, we get those national acts, Donald Harrison last year. So we have some of those connections, but most of the acts, especially on the side stages in the mornings, um, are local acts, and that, that's going to remain something that's important to us this year. Okay, got it, got it. Now, looking back at your career, you served as the executive director of the Beverly Arts Center, and then you were director at the historic Southside Community Arts Center. How did all, that, all those years there help you 
now, prepare you for what you're doing right now? You know, um, the Southside Community Yard Center, you know, it feels a lot in the same way as the Jazz Institute of Chicago in terms of legacy, you know, having started 80 years ago with the Works Progress Administration with Franklin Roosevelt, and then really the vision continuing with, or really starting with Dr. Margaret Burroughs and so many black artists of the time, but also throughout its 80 year history. So, I mean, a Southside institution, another thing that has impacted the world. So being at Southside Community Arts Center really just was a part of that whole story for me, um, keeping history alive, making sure that current artists, I almost said musicians, but visual artists have opportunities and that the world gets to see the power of Black people and the power of creativity. So that just to me represents um, the lineage and the, the importance of Black art. Um, at the Beverly Arts Center, I had a chance to run, you know, a 40,000 square foot space that had everything, two theaters, a gallery, a school program, right? In a community that is very proud as well, right? The Beverly community, very diverse community of a lot of people that grew up there. I was a part of the Beverly Arts Center when I went to Morgan Park Academy for grammar school when it was just a little building on the campus of Morgan Park Academy. Of Morgan Park Academy. So just that feeling of, of community and arts and, and so many different kinds of art. And, um, to anybody that's considering a career in arts administration, you know, both of those places really furthered my ability to manage finances, to manage staff, you know, to communicate with the public about the mission of the organization, uh, writing grants, working with memberships. So all the same type of skills, those kind of hard skills of, of leadership or arts administration, definitely got sharpened and developed you know over that over that time that was i think that was 10 years ago it's hard for me to believe but it was 10 years ago that i started at the uh, Southside community arts center so it's been about a 10-year career in uh you know arts leadership okay now you also work with after school matters a program that's near and close to us talk about your work there <laughs> Art. My heart is, you know, over there. Um, and again, a program started as Gallery 37. And I really started at the Park District in 1998 with what they were calling at the time Gallery 37 in the parks. So the Gallery 37 program that started, for those that don't know, on Block 37 downtown with the vision of First Lady Maggie Daly, First Lady of Chicago. And they were tents set up outside an apprenticeship program for young people to learn the arts outside from seasoned artists and get paid. And that kind of morphed into Gallery 37 in the Parks and then became After School Matters, which is where I met the Sandifers, which is a program that still goes on today, um, a job training program in arts, tech, sport. I don't know if they're still doing sports technology been away from there for a while but just a powerful youth program where the students get paid to learn so you're in this after school program but it's really an apprenticeship where you're working closely with professionals and getting a paycheck and 
I mean, not only did I learn about partnerships there and, you know, my job was to go into schools and work with our programs and make sure the payroll was set up. I was a program specialist, make sure our partnership was going well. Um, so got to see so many different neighborhoods around the city, around the city, right? We have 77 neighborhoods. I counted recently because of my work at After School Matters and the Park District, I've been able to work in 44 of those neighborhoods, like over half. And I have lifelong friendships from that work at After School Matters, whether it was folks I was working with, I mean, this connection here, anytime I see the Sanfords, like, hey, remember those times? You know, how can we continue to help each other out? And I know you probably have some young people that are watching and that's just such an important thing as you're, as you're going through your career is to think about those kind of connections that you're making and hold on to the good people and, and just make sure that you're, you know, you're keeping them with you and keeping them around you. I, I can't say enough about my time at After School Matters in Gallery 37 in the Park District. Mm -hmm. Now, who or what inspired your passion for jazz and the arts? I will have to start with my parents. Um, my father specifically, who was, you know, a quintessential jazz head. We would be out places and he would say, I'll give you a quarter if you can name the name of this artist. I do it with my kids too. It's a dollar now. But at the time we get a quarter. <laughs> the names, and it was just the music in my house. Um, my dad had the reel to reel tapes. And we had these gorgeous wooden speakers in each corner of our living room up literally on pedestals, those a and R. I I can see them now. They were like works of art. They were pieces of furniture. And mm -hmm. he would play music for us and teach us about the music. He played one song played by five different musicians and we'd have to listen for the differences, right? And to mm -hmm. my father's credit, he would do the same for he would listen to our music i can remember my brother playing uh boogie down productions for him and playing scratch you know when they first started scratching records and my father was fascinated he's like wait y'all have made an instrument out of a record like you can scratch the record and make it a music so he gave us voice right to to express our music as well if you came to my house when i was a child visiting my parents they would let us do plays in the living room and i know some of the her friends were probably like really y'all we got to do this again but we had an outlet you know we went to see plays and i always tell families you know that i recognize that as a privilege being able to go see plays and having this kind of music in the house but everyone has a radio anyone can have crayons right just giving children the opportunity to have access to the arts. And I think that's what really spurred me on is that some people may not have the resources to do that or even know that it's possible. Museums have free days, right? Again, just having markers and glue and crayons in the house and turning off the electronics will give your child the chance to be creative. So it's those kind of experiences that made me want to make that possible for everyone and to be able to give artists a chance to have a career at, at, at doing this because, you know, artists are more than worthy, but just unfortunately the opportunity isn't always there. Right, right. So who were some of your favorites that you would listen to as a kid? So of course there was always um, Miles Davis, John Coltrane. My father was a fan of um, so many different pianists that we would listen to, Keith Jarrett, was, was big in our house, especially as we got older. 
Um, personally, I love my top favorite is female vocals. So Ella is at the very top of the list. I, I just her sound, and of course, Sarah Vaughn, you know, reflects with that. Um, current day, I love John Baptiste. You know, just his 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 jazz adjacentness. He he's got jazz, but he's kind of moving it into into modern day innovation. So those are just some of the folks on my on my uh, playlist. <laughs> okay, okay. Now you have a uh, your master's degree in fine arts acting. Were you considering a career as an actress? I was, and some of that was because of, like I said, the, the happy experiences that I had, you know, coming up. Um, and I I love acting. And and when I graduated from the University of Illinois with my degree in advertising. Actually, the last year at U of I, I did a play. There was a lot of uh, Black student unions and Black activist groups on campus. And many, one of them, the If Not Now movement, they were called, put together a play so that we could talk about, in a creative sense, creative space, our experiences being Black people on a, what do they call it now, predominantly white campus. We didn't call it that at the time, back in the uh, late 80s to early 90s. And so we did this show and I just had such a wonderful experience. I told my mother, I was like, I think this is what I wanna do. She's like, really? I just invested all that money into your advertising degree? What are you talking about? <laughs> and my parents said, if you're gonna do it, do, like don't just try to find gigs and whatnot G get a degree in it and really learn how to do it so i did then my last year i took a school I, I took a class in um teaching shakespeare to kids and i just absolutely fell in love with the idea of again sharing how to do the art i i will be on stage again i will do when i retire i will be doing geritol commercials and you're gonna see me on the screen but for now, it's very important to me to, to share like this. I had a children's theater company for a while. I wrote children's plays and produced them on the South Side. So that, that just kind of all is a part of how can I share, besides my stellar talent on the stage, you know, how can I share this gift in a way that's going to make it multiply out even more? So that's why the teaching and the arts administration um, is so important okay. to me. Okay. okay now how can we i do public... miss it though i do know okay so now how can we the public help you guys out at the jazz institute can we do anything what talk to us absolutely so of course there is attending our events again most of which are free um, if you have a young person that's interested in jazz or playing jazz, please get in touch with us so we can connect you with our education programs and our student council. Also, you know, it's it's end of year Christmas giving time. So, you know, please do consider a gift to the Jazz Institute. It is highly impactful and makes a huge difference in the work that we do and that we're able to do. Um, and with that kind of donation, there's also membership, right? In addition to feeling great about investing in the future of jazz and making sure that this music continues and that musicians have opportunities and young people have opportunities, we have some pretty cool gifts. We have t-shirts, we have uh, discounts at other, other at the CSO and other arts organizations, um, discounts when we have merchandise and you know for our gala and when we do have ticketed events, you'll get a discount. So we just had our member party last week and it was so cool to see members getting together 
talking, laughing, eating, listening to music. So you're really a part of a community of fellow jazz lovers when you become a member. Right. I can't believe this, but we're out of time. We're out of time. I've enjoyed this so much. Yes. Anything else that you would like to share? Anything else on your mind today? Visit our website, jazzinchicago.org. Uh, we're across most social media platform. You know, the top three, we were, we're there. So please visit us and take some time to listen to some jazz today, you all. They're 90.9 radio station. I dare you. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you very much. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thank, thank you. Thank you so much. It was an honor. Thanks for having me.